Welcome, Bajan. That that's me. Hi. <laughs> What's up, y'all? How you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, it, I I was sweating a lot because it's my it's the first day of um, spring in New York. Um, Everybody keeps saying that, but it's really like it's very nice. It's nice, but it's not really warm or anything. I feel like you didn't I, experience it fully because you have a cold. Yeah, it was a no, beautiful no, no. day. Jeff Umbro has a cold. Jeff I have Umbro a has cold. a cold. No, but it was super nice outside. And I was like, I was glory. It was glorious sweating. I was glowing, not sweating. <laughs> it, was, it was a sheen. I had lunch outside. It was fantastic. Lucky I, you. Did you yeah. go outside today? I've been in like a cave getting. Ready I was for outside next week. once. For the most part, that's when work lets me out of my cave. Mm. Is like lunchtime. Um, Coming out of your cage and you've been doing just fine. Yeah, <laughs> gotta gotta be down. What song Mostly is that? With a, a corned beef Reuben. <laughs> No. It's not at all? No, it is a song. No, it's what The Killers. Is? Mr. Brightside. Thank Got you. It. Yeah. I, kn- I knew somebody was here for me. There we go. See, I, I, I actually, this is you know a good transition because I wanted to talk about a lot of the, the you know, no. music writing that you do. I was going to say, if you're talking about police killings, I'm out of here. <laughs> no, like, no, no, we're no. done. That's it. End of podcast. Thank you. No, no, no. I wanted to, I mean, no, that's not what we're talking about. But um, <laughs> what a transition that would be, though, if that was the segue you were So let's to. talk about murder. No. no. <laughs> let's talk about music writing. Yeah. No, t- talk to us about it. Because, I mean, you write about everything. You write about politics, you know, race. You write about books. You write about video games. Yeah. Yeah. I like all of those things. Uh, mine, I mean, politics is fine sometimes. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I – dirty little secret. I, I, did, I started music reviewing in college, and I never quite stopped because it, it's fun and cool, and I like hanging out with musicians. Um, so the la- I actually just did a Times Magazine piece um, okay, that my you. boss knows about. <laughs> it was a very short, very short piece. Um, Who's it about? Uh, it's about Run the Jewels, okay. which reprises my earlier theme of profiling Killer Mike um, for the New Republic. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I do music writing because I, I like it. I think it's cool. I think music says can say and says a lot about culture and I mean, there's just a lot of good music that's coming out right now. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very invested in the new music game. So when you when you say like a short piece for the New York Times Magazine, what does that mean? Yeah, it means like 400 words. Really? Yeah, yeah. Is, is it like the letter that they do at the end? No, no, no. So this is, and by the time this podcast comes out, this will be on the stands. Is it this week? It's this week. Nice. It's dropping tomorrow. Right, everybody, check it out. <laughs> sure. Thanks for the shout out, man. It's 400 words. There are also a lot of other dope people in it, to yeah. my knowledge. Well, I mean that that's become my go-to read every yeah. week. It's it's amazing the it's writers so they can get. It's so good. They they have. I mean, the New York Times Magazine's amazing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's a they're it's a it's the music issue. Okay. So cool. The so timing, yeah, yeah, yeah. the timing is good. The timing is good. The timing is good. Um. And the issue, I believe, is also very good. I was supposed to see. My friend, my girl, Jasmine Hughes, before this recording, mm-hmm. and she had some copies, some advanced, you know, uh, so did you see office it? copies. So, so I didn't get, I didn't see her, so I didn't get yet. to see it, but okay. afterward. So uh, talk about that life, because you are, a, you're a staff writer now at the New Republic, but before this... <coughs> I can't believe I just did that. No, associate editor. You're okay, associate editor. <laughs> I don't, I'm not a staff writer. <laughs> Check the masthead, <laughs> bro. <laughs> well, okay, but I mean, exp- uh, first off, explain the difference because a lot of sure, our sure, listeners sure. might not know. No, I mean, I, I, so, so I, um, I edit mostly. That's my day to day. Okay. Um, and I, um, I write when, when, uh, the, the spirit moves me. Okay. Um, 
So, yeah, so I mean, it, it means that I, I get to, because I do a lot of other work during mm-hmm. my day to day, I get to most, most of the time choose what I would like to write about. And you were, you know, a freelancer prior to this. Yeah. And I mean, you had a couple, you know, internships and stuff, but, um, you know, what, how did you decide who to pitch? How did you meet these people? Um, you know, what were you kind of, uh, like, what was your dream? You know, publication while I was freelancing while you were freelancing because oh, you, you were mean, published everywhere yeah yeah I mean that was that was mostly like uh when I was a freelancer I was um sort of relentless and not considerate of my editors <laughs> um and I know that now having been an editor um, I realized I would have been kind of an annoying freelancer. So, but so it really is like a dog eat dog world. It's a do- it's a it's a full circle kind of world, like a dog chasing its tail and catching it, and then realizing, oh, well, <laughs> now I've got it. Yeah, <laughs> it's there. Um, I mean, this world is such a mystery to so many. Yeah, people. yeah, no, I mean, it is, it is, and I think, I mean, so so re pitching and freelancing and all of that kind of stuff. I um, I when I was freelancing. I had um, I, I took a blogging job um, for the Time Newsfeed viral blog. So I, saw that. I was blogging the viral hits uh, <laughs> every weekend. Crawling into your apartment. Oh uh, yeah, I would wake I wake up real hungover and throw in some you know throw in some viral vids into the CMS um, and shit was dope. But uh, that was to subsidize my other writing, um, which is when I got published um, in a lot of different places. Um, because I just I, I felt like I had a lot of things that I wanted to say and a, a lot of ideas that I thought were sort of valid, um, and the many places thing was just because I figured um, things would fit better at different publications. Uh, so how much of this was a pre-designed plan? To none, bas- of it. none of it. None it's of all it. winging it. Yeah. No. I just I I um. <laughs> so the reason I started writing. Not the reason I started writing. The reason I decided that it might be a good idea to write professionally um, was a bad one. I got kind of fired from a job. Um, it was like a very soft, gentle firing. My, I was. A, I, I, was I had a, one of those. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was. It, was it, a, it still makes you feel bad. It, I, you know, it, it did. It did. I felt kind of bad, and then I was like, I hated that job anyway. But I was a, I was a media consultant, and my boss was like, let's do lunch, and I was like, okay, man. <laughs> Because he was this old guy who was in media, um, he'd he'd gotten like fired from Time before you could get fired from Time. <laughs> like he's like that old, that kind of old guy. So we went to we went to Michael's. I've been there. Yeah, that's the power lunch yeah. spot. Yeah, you go there and you see like a bunch of news anchors and yeah. and apparently yeah. maybe a young. Yeah, yeah, I was, the, I was, I was, well, yeah. dog, I was wearing a suit, I had a tie on, I was fucking, I was out there, uh, I was out there for money, um, but yeah, no, he was just like, so you're wasting your time here, you need to, uh, you should leave, you know, like, you should go do something with your life, and I was like, what, and he was like, I'm not firing you, like, you could stay as long as you need to, but like, just go, just get the fuck out of here, like, go do something. Really? Yeah, well, I mean, hey, yeah, and cool it was talk so nice. It was so nice. Yeah. Um, How long did you stay? <laughs> I made it about a month. <laughs> uh, but you know, it was it was very inspiring because he like really believed in me, and I was like, wow, like this guy. Uh, and then I went into the trenches of freelancing and quickly burned through all of my savings. <laughs> and quickly was like, oh wow, yeah. it's real out there. It's, it's too real. I mean, the trenches. I have much love for the trenches. 
Um, but I also have much love for paychecks. Yeah. I still remember. Important. I, I, have, I have one. Uh, I have a handful of paychecks from writing. Um, but my first was 100 bucks, And I was so pumped to get that. And I realize now that it's, you know, if it's not even beer money. Mm. But, um, but man, there's nothing better than that feeling. And then I, I just can't imagine ever being able to, you know, sustain a lifestyle with, you know, freelance writing. It's very hard, um, which is why I took that blogging job. Uh, but yeah, I mean, my favorite, I think my first paycheck was like 50 bucks. Yeah. Well, I mean, we both know who the winner is now when it comes to writing. Uh, that's you. still not me. <laughs> no. <laughs> Someday. No, 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 I mean, no. you're, you're, you're like, I, prolific doesn't even do enough to describe, you know, how much you write. I think a lot of people write more than I do. Um, how much do you write? How often? Not that often. I mean, I, I freelance, um, occasionally and I write for TNR occasionally, but mostly, I mean, mostly I edit. Um, and I, I really enjoy that. I mean, I really like, um, who, who have you edited? No. <laughs> <laughs> what's the What's the biggest difference between the two? Why do you find yourself enjoying editing more? I I mean I like it because it you you're applying the same critical scrutiny that you would to your own stuff to other people's work and like you learn a lot from other people's drafts um, and I mean it's made me a much better writer just be <clears throat> sorry just because I like see the kind of mistakes in my like in other people's writing that I would make in my own mm-hmm. um, and. Like correcting for that every single time, because things are much clearer when you're reading somebody else's piece. And so correcting for that every single time has like made my own writing much clearer and sharper and stuff. And I don't know, I just really enjoy the process um, of just thinking through a piece with somebody else who's really smart. Like it's dope. There's yeah. not a whole lot that's better. You had a tweet a while ago. Oh, um, I think it was your Wired piece. You were thanking your editor. Yeah, like, man. Who, who was that? Uh, oh man, that's John. I. I don't know if I can pronounce his last name correctly. Gravois, okay. Gravois, uh, G-R-A-V-O-I-S. Uh, he is dope. Um, he was, uh, at the time, a new, a newer editor at Wired, and, you know, he, <coughs> he reached out. It was cool. Like, he's, um, he really, like, we, I mean, we talked on the phone a lot. Like, we were in email contact, and he really, like, did he did a great job with the piece um and he really like i learned a lot via like i mean obviously from writing it and writing for him but also from an editing perspective and um yeah no it was it was a very good experience yeah in in that that piece in particular we'll talk more about it later but there's so many visual elements to it did that I did not plan any of those that no, was them that was all them Oh, cool. They were like, we have a dope photographer. And I was like, nice. <laughs> nice. That was it. Well. You know, that was all I got. And um, I was extremely, I'm, when I saw the thing in print, I was extremely, extremely satisfied. Um, you were what? Like 24 when that came out? 23? I'm still 24. I know you are. <laughs> but I mean, now that, that's a very, this is a recent piece. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was, uh, yeah, because it was, that was November, I think. Um, yeah, no, I still, I still. It's, a, it's a dream of mine to be published in the print issue of Wired, and, and you've done it. <laughs> Same it's a very dude. specific. <laughs> Same thing. dude. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, Wired uh, is is like my go to magazine for everything. Wired is. I I really I really like them. I really was very very happy for the opportunity. Cool. Um, I mean, it's it's it was a great piece, and and we'll come back to it later. But um, is there anybody that you've edited specifically who has a who's had like a more significant effect on your writing style? Um, I wouldn't, I mean, I, I would, I'm, I'm talking in generalities because it feels like generalities. I mean, this is something that it's like you, you see these things repeated over and over and over again. Um, 
with different people and different pieces and different themes. Um, and that's, that's where the value comes from. It's in aggregate, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you learn a lot about, cause I think, I do think a lot of being an editor is, uh, playing a very emotional supporting, like an emotional support role for your writers because writing is like this crazy neurotic singular pursuit that you do alone and anybody who tells you otherwise is lying. Um, and I think that having and like having more insight into that process from the other side is extremely valuable. Also, it's. I mean, it, it shows. I'm, sh- I'm shrugging. I don't know. Yeah, you got the little shruggy. <laughs> there, there's an audible shrug. I just, I just did a shruggy. No, I think it's. it's so the one thing that so we <laughs> we talked to Clive Thompson recently, and the one thing he mentioned about the experience that he has now coming at it after so many years of being in the trenches writing for different publications is that he started to recognize the patterns mm-hmm. in the writing that he does and in the stories that he watches for. So after so long, you know, he told us about a story it took him nine years to write. So I'm wondering at the outset if you see that repertoire start to build as you edit these other pieces, you work with these other writers, you start to... Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, you do, you do see that. And I think, I mean, in my own writing, like my first drafts, and by first drafts, I mean drafts that I don't share with other people like it you i i can see like i have a new perspective on the mistakes i keep making um <laughs> it's like oh this is a shitty turn of phrase my dude um and I, it's like i have a, a track changes version of myself have you ever had anybody get upset because you changed like a very specific piece of their language <laughs> i played the fifth <laughs> <laughs> all right fair that's fair uh, I've been I've been dying to ask you this this entire interview, but today in tabs, how did that come about? <laughs> Jeff is the biggest today in tabs fan I know, by the way. That's how we met. I, I went over and I'm just like, you don't know me, but I know everything about you. Yeah, I love you. You're I remember great. that. I so remember. You a, know what? Rest yeah. in peace, today in tabs. Yeah. Uh, if, if 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 in fact it's over, it's over. Let's have a moment of silence. All right, thank you. Um, <laughs> that's for you, Rusty. I know you're not going to listen to this, but no, he never does. It's all for you. Uh, how did I get involved? Well, <laughs> uh, Rusty and I sort of knew each other from the internet, and one day we were just joking joking around in a chat. And I was like, hey, man, I'll be your intern. He was like, no, you won't. I was like, yeah, I will. That's literally how and it then, happened? Yeah, and then he was like, prove it. <laughs> so it, we just uh, we worked it out. That was that was it. What an origin story. He, yeah. I, I, it I, was I, a bet between us with no money, no stakes. So wait, you guys really just met like your internet friends? Yeah. Wait, how did you find each other on the internet? Um, that would be one Kevin Wynn. Uh, of course it's Kevin. Another guest of the show, by the way. I mean, honestly, we, 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 it was mostly like canoeing up on the, on the, the tweet decks. Um, <clears throat> that was the worst thing I've ever said. I was going to say, by the way, <laughs> for, for, the, for those of us who don't understand what that means, can you, can you walk me through that a little bit? <laughs> I prefer not to. Right. But no, it's, it's, uh, we, we tweeted at each other a lot mm. along with other people okay. on the internet who we are internet friends with. Also, you know what? Internet friends are real. Yeah, I, I, sure. I am it's, so, it's absolutely. I am so Thanks. into internet friends. I once wrote about an internet friend that I, we're not even internet friends anymore. I read it, the, the Reddit chat. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that was that was extremely embarrassing to write, but I th- I felt you know had a great editor, Mr. John Herman. May he rest in peace. He, you were dude, you're gonna be a god one day. You've had <laughs> all the best editors. <laughs> they're all very good, and they've all been very nice to me. And 
everyone should pitch them, but only good things. Don't ever pitch an editor something bad. He, he's uh, one of the David Carr scholars, yeah, right? Yeah, he's a, he's a fellow over there. The fellow? Um, but yeah, yeah, that that was that was extremely embarrassing. Um, but I really wanted to talk about internet friends. Yeah. Um, and I think they're super valuable. I think it's definitely real life. And there's a uh, one thing I would like to shout out at this juncture: re internet friends. Um, Joe Livingston and Ben Sisto's project, WebSafe 2016. Hmm. It's this uh, like basically there are 216. Web safe colors, and by web safe it means like colors that render on every single operating system and every monitor in the world. Um, and they asked 216 writers to contribute a short meditation on like what the color they chose meant to them in the early days of the internet. Um, I did one. A bunch of other really great writers and cool people have done others. Um, and yeah, is it going to be like a web magazine it's, or something? Oh, it's it's on the internet right now. It is. Yeah. Right, and it's what is it called? It's called <laughs> WebSafe. Web WebSafe 2016. Web 2K16. Safe. 2K16. Web WebSafe 2K16. We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. And a lot of those, a lot of them are about internet friends. I mean, it's like yeah. a very, you know. Um, is it a continuing series or? Yes, yeah, continue. It, I mean, until the colors are done. Okay. Because so, everyone, like, it's been assigned out. So, how many uh, internet friends have you made from today in tabs? Um, I would say, I mean, a few, I think I, I, a lot, I mean, I do, so it's not even, it's not just, it's not today in tabs really. It's, it's basically, um, like there are a lot of really nice, really cool writers and editors and such on Twitter. Um, because that is where a lot of people in the journalism business congregate. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like hanging out online by hanging out i mean like faving each other's tweets and then meeting in a bar at somebody's birthday party like if that if that meets the definition of internet friends yeah it's a good definition yeah to me. i mean then i've made a few i mean i i, I know there's a f- several people who are very effusive about you know the writers at today and tabs and um you know i know at least a handful that have recommended your writing because of today and tabs um Let's talk about this 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 idea of internet friends though leading to work because it seems like mm-hmm. at least today and tabs has led to more work for you. How I did mean, you build this network? How did, where did you start? Honestly, it's just increased visibility. That was the thing. Um, at least in my opinion, I don't know. You should ask the editors. <laughs> uh, I. What what is today and tabs for anybody who doesn't know? Today and tabs was a uh, newsletter um, that went out to a couple thousand media people who decided and it basically was a roundup of the day's links um with a little with a little a lot of snarky commentary (laughs) um today in tablature (laughs) and it was one of those things where um it was it was very opinionated um and very convinced of its correctness um and it was it was really it was it became indispensable because it was one of those things if you were working all day and couldn't participate in the dumb fucking twitter thing and like read your news feed and stream um you you could you know yeah. read this newsletter and catch up on the day's events i was i was like certain to put aside 20 minutes at the end of every day to read it yeah um, yeah exactly because it only took like 20 minutes yeah it was great so i uh, hold on we skipped it i was gonna say well, how did you how did you get into this world of internet friends like where did you start when you where first got down here and started writing that's a very interesting question so i used to i used to intern for a magazine called kill screen mag 
Um, very dope publication about video games. Uh, now I think it comes up biannually in print, and they publish a website. Um, and I, so I was, when I was here, like after after my internship, they sort of kept me on as like a, a copy editor, a proofreader person. Um, and there was one issue that Ryan Bradley guest edited, and um, I got to help him edit the issue. So I came in and um, I edited Kevin Wynn and Kyle Chaka before I knew them. But that was like the starting point because I think I followed them on Twitter along with Yannick LeJock, um, who used to work at Kotaku. Uh, and that was that was sort of it. Like, I mean, I would tweet at them and they would tweet at other people and then I would tweet at other people. And then mm-hmm. it, it sort it of starts. goes from there. I, you just, you, I, it, I, it felt very nice because I was, I was very new to New York at the time and I – I got – it was nice to feel like I had some sort of community yeah. because – I mean, outside of, like, my college friends. But it was – it you know, because New York is a very – It's a lonely place. It's a lonely place. It's sort of alienating if you're not um, – if you don't already have a network. Um, and my network at the time was, like, these people who worked <coughs> these terrible jobs and um, they were always busy all the time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, fuck, I got to make new friends. <laughs> That's how Kyle and I know each other. We were college friends. We have we have our own community here, and you know it, it, it expands every year. It's great. We've been trying to kick Jeff out forever. Yeah, I'll never nice. leave. I'll never leave. I do have to ask one more question Swipe before right. we get into What's the story up? because I am a huge video gamer. Nice. What are you playing right now, and what are you playing it on? Fuck, you can't do that to me. <laughs> Come on. I I you know I I wa- I wish I were a bigger gamer, but I like haven't I haven't bought a new system in a while but honestly uh i have been playing a lot of <coughs> gauntlet legacy which is gauntlet legacy which is a remake of the original like gauntlet arcade cabinet games um for ps4 that was free on steam for a while and so you're rocking the free steam gauntlet legacy yeah that and uh the new rock band that i i play with some a few friends <laughs> I, love that. I wouldn't recommend any of that stuff but it's only because but for example <coughs> For serious, for serious, seriously though, those games are only fun if you have like a few other people in the room with you, um, which has been dope. I don't know, it's always fun. Like it's a good I game. Rock band. I, 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 is a fun game. I extremely, I, I, I can't, I can only say, like the best thing, the best thing you can do with your internet friends is be like, hey man, come over and play video games. It's dope, because um, that is in fact how I got to know a lot of people from the internet from Twitter. Career advice. So I no friend advice. Yeah. Friend advice. Well, it's, I, I actually insisted in my first New York apartment. I insisted that we get cable because I didn't think anybody would hang out in the living room if we didn't have it. That so. well, I was part of that apartment and I did not understand the impetus to get cable, but I guess now I know. Yeah. yeah well, there's that. I mean, there's if you have a long table and beer. <laughs> yeah, I mean that always works, but you yeah. know, so Wide I, I I sometimes like to do things sober. Yeah, I do too. But I mean, if you're trying to make friends in New York, my <laughs> dude. Um, I actually, the first time you and I spoke, I think maybe it was at the National Book Awards mm-hmm, a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. But um, the first time that I remember it being, you know, an actual like, decent conversation is when I emailed you after you uh, you wrote "I will only bleed here for today" in tabs. It was later picked up by M Plus One, and it was uh, a story about you know. Your night after you found out about the non-indictment of Darren Wilson, um, and I mean it was a really powerful piece. And I know that you you've said that a lot of people reached out to you after you wrote it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people did reach out, um, and it seemed like it it resonated with a lot of people. Um, yeah, I wrote it because I 
I'd been, you know, I'd been, as I wrote in the piece, I'd been in a bar and I woke up. I came to work hungover um, because I was working at Vanity Fair as an assistant at the time. Um, and I had to write something for tabs, and I, you know, I started writing, and it just sort of came out. Um, and Rusty very graciously allowed me to, you know, have the entire space. And he put a few links at the bottom. Um, and yeah, I, it was one of those times, like, one of the few times where I've written something, and it, I don't really remember the process of writing it. Um, and the other one was. Uh, the talk that was that was the other piece that like yeah. I can't I have like no f- no physical memories of writing <laughs> for for anybody that doesn't know what what was that about uh yeah that was about oh god that that was this was another one that, that stuck with that me that must have that must have been after was it Michael Brown I think I, I think so it was the it was the Michael Brown verdict and I was yeah I was I again I was at work I was at Vanity Fair. <laughs> A lot of good they, came out of they, that job. I, I stayed because I, I did a lot of freelancing at that job. Uh, <laughs> I was not a staff. St- I was I was on a full time freelance contract, um, so I was not a staffer. So I just wrote whatever I wanted because they didn't pay me enough to not. Yeah. Um, but they're all very nice people. I'm sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, very nice. Whatever. Uh, but yeah, no. I I still remember I stayed after work and I saw the. I started writing and I saw the cleaning people and I was like, whoa, what time is it? And I looked at my screen and there was like a piece there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was, yeah, I remember uh, a lot of people were very, very ni- kind and helpful. Um, and I think the first person I sent it to was Leo Reich, okay. who is a wonderful, wonderful writer and a wonderful person. Um, and she advised me to send it to... Bobby Johnson at Matter, and he and I, you know, that, that night, um, actually it was it was in the morning, um, I think, he and I had a nice email exchange, and he just published it. Yeah. He was like, I want to change this thing, and I was like, don't fucking dare. Wait, really? Don't you fucking dare. It, it's exactly how you wrote yeah, it? Yeah, it was, it was basically a first <laughs> That's That's amazing. And I mean, both of these, both of these pieces that you published were obviously incredibly relevant but wanted to talk about you know the fact that you know maybe for for one of the first times in your career you had you know a real platform to tell your story it was i mean it was one of those things that found it it found its platform it found its audience um because it seemed like people were very um i I actually don't know why that is i don't know why like this moment like re black lives matter etc is any different than any other moment because this this kind of resistance i mean if i can call it that has always been has always been a thing um but yeah i mean i i it didn't feel when i was writing it it didn't feel like i had a platform it didn't it, i was just writing down things that i knew to be true i i remember you know, i remember priority writing you know i will only bleed here i was jealous that you were the intern but you know i like I'm gonna be honest with you, you know, not much of what you had written really like, you know, resonated with me throughout until I saw that, and then I started really paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I laughed, I respected what you wrote, but like none of it, I couldn't tell you what it was until after you wrote that piece, and then I started paying attention to everything yeah, and you did. Yeah, I, I sort of felt this. I felt sort of the same way because I, um, that did feel like a, a huge turning point for me because I, I kept, I had been writing like I didn't. 
like I didn't really get any feedback. I didn't really know what people wanted. I didn't know what I wanted. Um, and I think that was like after I'd, I'd written that like that piece, I will only bleed here. I, I realized like sort of what like what I could not what I could do with the platform, but like and not even like the stories that I wanted to tell, but the kinds of the kind of feeling that I wanted to impart um, like with the stories that I was telling. Um, and I think, I mean, I don't, I don't know if my like tabs history, cause it's all searchable and fast company. I don't know if my tabs history like bears any of that lesson out, but I, I, I did really feel like, like I could, um, like I could say something and it would be heard and I could say, you know, like I could tell, like I could say things that I need to be true and people would respond to them. Well, you, you kind of recognize in, in a lot of writers that this very distinct voice that they have. And I think that that's when yours became really visible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, it was it was a combination of luck and just being in the right place. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you wrote it. And you you had a you had a line in there saying you know that you were the only black person on the editorial floor. Is that still the case? And you're at a new job now. Yeah, I don't I don't know if that's still the case at Vanity Fair. Um, and I don't want to hazard a guess because. Obviously, these things are uh, never explicitly malicious or mm-hmm. explicitly um, ex- exclusive. Uh, they just sort of happen to be that way. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, when I was there, it was just it was me and the cleaning people, and me and like the guys who delivered mail, and me who and the guys who did all of the sort of necessary things for like the invisible necessary things for the magazine to keep working. Well, and there's there's a, an article that BuzzFeed just published by Rachel, and I'm I'm hate myself for not remembering her last name, but she wrote a piece all about James Baldwin and Rachel you know, Kotzegansak. Yes, come on, man. yes. I don't Thank think you. I pronounced her name right, but she's dope. Yeah, she's amazing. Everybody should read this piece. It's incredible. Yeah, and it was an it was an excerpt from I think from her upcoming book. If I'm not mistaken, uh, it's not her book, but she's published. Oh, the, in, uh, the book. in the book, right? The collection. Yes, right. Um, and it is, uh, you know, she, she has a really poignant line in that essay where she's also discussing the fact that she was at, um, you know, this really distinguished literary magazine or journal. Uh, she does not name it, but you know, one can guess what it is. And, uh, you know, she was also, you know, the only person of color on her floor. And, uh, you know, the editor goes so far as to say that he thinks it's the first time that that's ever happened. Um, and, you know, I think it's it's both good and bad that people are recognizing this as an issue now. I mean, all the... I think they recognized it before, but I don't think it was an issue that really anyone cared about. It's, that's fair. Also, if you're wondering what this, these sounds are, <laughs> I'm pouring myself a scotch. Um, the somewhat silent laughter you heard behind most of what Jeff was just saying was my reaction to Bijan trying to <laughs> pour himself ice with his bare hands. And now he's doing it right in the microphone. Uh, it sounds good, actually. I like pre- that pretty much. Any, it's just like Kevin and Tracy on another round. Anytime you hear ice, it's because we're drinking. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I think it's time we got to the reason that we're here, though. Okay. Uh, so, Bijan, you know, we're writers who don't write. Story. Uh, we, we like <laughs> to have guests on the show to talk about a story that they – uh, you know, couldn't tell before because of a number of reasons. Um, and you, you've you kind of given us a little hint as to what you want to talk about. Um, but I will, you know, leave the floor to you. 
Okay, shit. Um, you guys are the ones who have notes in front of you. Do not. <laughs> oh, we, <laughs> we, would you like one of the papers? <laughs> you, you, you were going to talk to us about... Um, I, your... Yeah, no, I remember. Okay. Um, no, I was... I. I... <laughs> <laughs> so the very, the, the, our two valiant hosts um, very kindly asked me for uh, a story that I wanted to write but hadn't been able to. Um, and uh, for me, I, I answered. I answered um, very curtly because I was on vacation. Thank you for that. But <laughs> I did not mean to disrupt it. Uh, but it was one of those things. Like I, I had it, the the idea sort of had its genesis in this um, the piece that uh, Jeff was talking about that I was writing for Wired. Um, and it, basically, I have had this really stupid dream of. So, so as as I mentioned briefly before, I grew up in Texas, and I've had this stupid dream ever since. Uh, ever since I like started living in New York and writing, um, that I would be able to go back and talk about how weird and crazy like growing up in Texas was. Just, I mean, for because I was taught, for example, that the Earth was flat and evolution was fake, and that climate change wasn't real. Like that was the kind of place that I grew up. Um, and I, there was this, so when I was starting to report this Wired piece, there was a, an idea that had been thrown around um, by, I think, me or, um, it was, it, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd pitched it um, that I would go back to my hometown and ask um, people there, people my age and younger, if they'd heard of Black Lives Matter and if they knew anything about it and what that, like, what that energy was doing down there um and preliminarily the people i asked um had no idea and it was it's one of those things that i i would i wish that i could go down there and like meld that reporting with um a kind of personal essay of what it was like <coughs> to to grow up in a place that like was very unkind i mean it was never explicitly so but very unconsciously bigoted and very unconsciously like unconsciously backwards like it was the the bloody beating heart of the tea party movement um yeah so that's a story that i wish i could tell that i haven't (laughs) and and so what are some of the components of reporting a story like that and starting to build it into a personal essay like when you started the process of research for it where did you where did you go yeah i mean it wasn't it was always intended to be a reported piece it wasn't necessarily a personal essay um uh, and where did I go? I mean, I, I, got, I went on Facebook and got in touch with people I, I was friends with in high school um, to see. And obviously, the first thing being like to see if their recollections were any different than mine, which obviously they always are. Um, and then to scope out the current scene to see like what it was like, because they're like all of the people I know who well not all, but most of the people I know who were there are still there um and talking to them is like being the kind of like the parallel universe of myself like where i see what they're doing and realize that yeah no i would still be home if i didn't you know if i didn't really if i hadn't really wanted to leave is there anything that stands out about that shared memory when Um, you're asking the people if they remember the things differently than yeah i mean it, n- no, I mean, because it, it's it's just 
I mean, it's the whole, to quote Jesus nice, gotta hear both sides thing. Like, you just, everyone, everyone, everyone has a different memory of for sure the things that happened, the things you carried, et cetera. I, I have a twin brother who has not left the town that I grew up in. And see it, that that's a that's like a plot element. Yeah. What you just said, <laughs> plot. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> and it, I, I love it, and I mean it's a story I'll never tell because it's just too personal, and I don't want to tell it. Mm. But but I absolutely have recognized in the past that you know he is living the life that I could easily have lived myself, and you know maybe I will someday. Um, is there a living parallel in Texas? Is there someone that you recognize yourself in? No, but I did have a very close group of friends who most of most of whom left the state. Um, but you know, one of one or two of whom are still there, and they, you know, it seems like they have very good lives, and they're they're tied there for reasons sort of outside of their control. Um, but I wouldn't say there's I would I would not say that there's a direct parallel. So this piece in your mind prior to you writing it was your Wired piece uh, combined with the personal essay version of, of growing up in Texas. Um, yeah, I mean, it was the initial, the very, very, very initial conception of that piece. Um, and yeah, yeah, I mean, I I just always wanted to write that story about growing up in Texas. Because, have you like, tried? Uh Yeah. Yeah, I mean, vaguely. I mean, not not like in any serious way, but like it's one of those things that I I th- I want to tell that story, and I think I want to tell that story, but I feel like when I get into it, I'd be like, oh, okay, <laughs> shit, this is gonna take this reporting is brutal. It feel it's emotionally devastating, oh, yeah. you know, like well, the kind of stuff where you unearth things that you really weren't sure you wanted to relive well there's the tobias wolf book um i think it's tobias it might be thomas but it's uh, you can't go home again and <laughs> it's literally about some guy who writes a book about his hometown uh and he just like decimates every person that he grew up with so when he goes home for the holidays like nobody wants to see him yeah and i think that's always a risk that people take when they're talking well, about you know their own lives my i mean my parents um did move, uh, and the, the and so they live in California now, and they're they're very happy. Also, like they live in Sacramento, it's dope. Sacramento's <laughs> compared to, compared to Tyler, Texas. Sacramento is extremely lit. Did you grow up in like the like the Friday Night Lights town? Uh, no, no. Uh, but but I I couldn't watch Friday Night Lights because I identified too closely with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. No, it's not. Well, I love Friday Night Lights. That's what I'm saying. I feel yeah. like I'm missing out on like great TV, but I can't. I just can't do it. Yeah, <laughs> it's just too much. I feel that. I mean, it's it's always rough to you know look back and, and just imagine what could have been, um, whether it's good or bad. It wasn't but. even a. Ima- it was just like the. They were so. Cl- it was like the verisimilitude was insane. Yeah. Off off the chain, as I said. <laughs> so in the early 2000s. So talk to us about the piece that you did write. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> uh, very – it was very researched. Uh, a lot of stuff didn't make it in. Um, and it was it was a really – I mean, it was a really good, intense experience. I, I did a lot of reporting in a very short period of time because we were on a, a little bit of a time crunch. 
for that package and that feature. This is um, the piece called Stand Up for Wired, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get Up Stand Up was, I think, what it ran as. Um, <clears throat> we'll include a link to that in the show notes as well. Cool. So did you with, – with you you reviewed TNC's book, uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates, Between mm-hmm. the World and Me. Um, and there was, like, a distinct question uh, when that book came out where it was talking about, like, who the audience was. You know, was sure. this – I mean, it was written for his son, but – you know, was there another intended audience for it? And who was that audience? And I, I want to ask you that question. Sure. I mean, I, I think I, I, in my review, I think I, I feel like I addressed this, but I, you, you did. You did. I didn't really address it fully because I, I did say that it wasn't really for white America. And it was, it, I mean, obviously there was an audience of one intended, but I think I would amend that now. Um, because obviously you don't publish a book if you don't want people to read it, yeah. you know, like, or if it's not intended for, I mean, it, it, that's a different thing, right? Like people who read it and people who are intended to read it. Um, and I think that's where the book really gains its power. It's not, I mean, <laughs> for me, like it wasn't for white America, but it was an inside look into like what a lot of people who aren't white are feeling. Um, and it was very specific and I don't think, Donahasi was trying to talk or write about anybody other than himself or speak for anybody else. Yeah. And I really, I really admire that specificity. Um, and I think that the book would have been, I mean, it, it, may- it would have, it would have been less powerful had it been like explicitly aimed or like, yeah. a, like even cognizant, I think of, an audience. I mean, the lack of, of recognizing an audience beyond his son and, and himself, you know, caused everybody to speculate as to who the audience was. And there's a reason we're still talking about it six months later, you know. It's because he was saying things that were true. Yeah. And shocking to a lot of people. So I, I read the book simultaneously with uh, Harper Lee's Go Set a Watchman. Mm. Did you read that? I did not. You shouldn't. Um, <laughs> I, I don't mean. To I mean, I heard po- Atticus Finch was a racist, but I figured he was anyway. So, yeah, but you know, a lot of people didn't figure that when they had read. You a know, lot of people. I well, didn't that's think so. That. That's sort of the conclusion right. that you're left with at the end of Ghost Out of Watchmen, right? Is that Atticus Finch is pretty much a racist? Yeah. Well, there's there's a. It was weird reading the two together because. Mm. They both seemed to have, like, very, very different conclusions, which is, I mean, that shouldn't be weird. Well, I mean, honestly, let's be real. Atticus was never woke. No. Ever. Not even in To Kill a Mockingbird. He was not supposed to be woke. Can we, I'm going to go ahead and ask for some clarification on woke. Fucking urban dictionary it if he, you he, fucking need can I, to. Can I actually, if Matt McGorry, if Matt McGorry needs if, if Matt McGorry knows what woke is, you know what woke I, is. I actually, I, I actually want to address this because this this came up before this conversation. Um, we we have a, a friend that helps us do our research, and she put woke in. She wrote woke as fuck in the show notes. And you know, <laughs> I also need a clarification yeah. about what and, AF was. Yeah. Um. So so I I you know I know this because. Um, it's a very good friend of mine. She uses it all the time. And, and I will admit that, uh, you know, maybe a year ago she had to tell me what it meant. Um, you know, it's shameful that may be. But Kyle asked me today what it meant. Ah, no, no idea. And, you know, he looked it up. I explained it to him. 
But at the same time, this is something that, like, you know, <laughs> I, I don't want to make an issue of it, but, I mean, it's clearly something that, you know. I don't This is literally the first time I've seen it ever in my life. But never text, I mean, never you know chat, what? That's never fair. print. That's fair. You know yeah. what? Woke being the <laughs> – is it the uh, past tense of awake? In <laughs> the verb. <laughs> but woke, I mean, woke means, <laughs> these days, it means aware of intersectional issues and mm-hmm. social justice. So so that brings me to another point. There was, it's, there were a couple of reviews of... Also, don't quote me on that definition. I'm no, going to no. go straight I mean, to Urban it, Dictionary and send you the definition. It's generally what it means. No. <laughs> um, that is what I saw on Urban Dictionary, but I feel like I mean, I'm maybe so I just haven't Urban experienced Dictionary. it. <laughs> I don't know where I should be. Still relevant from 06, <laughs> like Twitter. It holds on, man. But no, so that's that's an honest statement. Like I, that, This is the first time today in my adult life I've ever run into that term. So I feel like maybe – Maybe I'm alone in that, but for those who don't, I mean, know. You're, I don't think you are alone because I don't think you are either. Yeah, it's it's. I only heard about it a year ago, and you know, that says what it says. But someone in the last like two months asked me, like, what does that mean? Yeah, and, and they're a person I like and trust. Yeah, you know? like, well, fine. I mean, there's nothing. There's, there's nothing, nothing wrong, wrong with, with anybody who doesn't know what it means. But but if you, you know, don't know what it means at this point in 2016, you have to go fucking tell five people who don't know what it means. It's true. What it means, you so, just let them know. Yeah. So don't even I, tell them why you're doing it. So I just have to I have to find five people on five the street. Five people. What if they already know? I then said find great. five people who don't know. Find yeah. five people who don't. You know five people who don't know. I I'm telling you, if it's your immediate family, that's cool. If you're extended family, my parents, that's cool too. There's a there's a hundred percent guarantee my parents have no idea what woke means. So I got well, two right there. You've knocked out forty percent, my right. dude. Well, so here here's the thing that you know I I've. And I, you know, say what you will about all this, but in the last year, I've I've really come to the conclusion that, um, you know, there are a lot of people who are not aware of things and issues like this, um, and you know what's going on with Black Lives Matter, what's going on just in general with you know the culture of the United States today. And well, here's a little bit of the the dissonance is that I I feel like I am relatively aware of what is going on socially, but I'm not a part of. I think the day-to-day – like I read the, the time stories when they come out. I read the articles in Wired by Yourself, for instance, that mention mm-hmm. things like Black Lives Matter that tell me a little bit about the broader picture that's going on. But I don't have insight, and it's maybe it's because I'm not a Twitter user. That's, what, I was going to say, do you have do – you, I mean, do, I you don't. Have, do you have Instagram? I do have Instagram, but I don't there are, there's The woke Instagram is also yeah. – So maybe this is, <laughs> this is my next question is like what – for someone who is not versed in activism, for somebody oh, who's man. outside of the sphere, you know, it's not even activism. That's the thing. Like, that's that's just that's general. The, the weird fucked up part. Yeah. Like it, the, this all this is classified as activism when it's like daily experience for, like I don't know how many people, how many black people in the U.S. Like that, whatever fraction of people that is, I think it's one in fifteen. I don't know. Anyway, is that is that accurate? Uh, I don't th- I don't know actually. I think it's I think there the U.S. is Wait. like what thirteen. Sorry, it's <laughs> did that backwards. Thirteen percent. So so it's like thirteen to fifteen percent black. It's like one in eight or nine. It's thirteen out of a hundred. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's a bigger fraction than I reckoned. Um, and I left no space. You can cut that. 
so we're gonna do a lot of editing in this, I think. But uh, <laughs> but what? I'm not woken bay. Fuck. I think this is amazing. I and I want this conversation to be heard by so many people because this is what needs to happen. But and you know, it's not your job or our job to have that conversation with people. But you know, I'm making it an issue. Because I want to have sure. it with more no, people. I'm, I'm fine. I'm I'm very okay with taking on this role. And and I, I I actually you know to answer your question on how you can you know be more involved, uh, you know I. It's not. I mean, it's less be more involved and more. Do you want to be do, more aware? More aware. I I just don't. Do you see do it. you want to? Here's Cause an you know interesting it, question for me. You know you know it's a burden. It, well, this is – so as it, someone who doesn't – I'm not a, a, an avid user of social media. But why do you think – I mean why do you think it's confined to social media? Like why do you think that you yeah, can't it's, – it's, it's real life. I consider social media an immediate source of news. It is. And that is what I explicitly don't but use But you don't use Twitter. I'm a consumer of older Got news it. forms. But, so I like reading the, but the stories think, on the New York Times. Do you think it's more important than the news? Do you think, do you think knowing about these issues is more important than that? Do I think knowing about these issues is more important than that? I don't know if I have the proper you, ability I, to filter it. I guess I guess what I'm asking is do you relegate social activism to social media? I think that's the only context in which I understand it right now because I have no experience with it. But you think it's important? I do think it's important. Then why aren't you on social media? Why did you call it a burden? To, to be when you're woke, you can't go back to sleep. Trust me, I this is me in the last year. Is you I, do you know what sucks is realizing viscerally many of the ways that people are disenfranchised and they, you know, like and and realizing realizing how it happens and realizing you can do not that much about it and realizing it's a result of policy and design. And this is, I mean, this is Ta-Nehisi Coates' yeah. part of his whole project. Um, the dude just tells truth where he sees it, and man, there's a lot of there's a lot of truth that's uncomfortable. There's a lot of things that are uncomfortable, and I think a lot of people realize this and are aware of this because of social media. But like, my question is like, if you value this and you think this is important, and it's on social media, which is what you you know, like if that's where you get it, why aren't you there? So my question to you is why can I not find it somewhere other than social media? You can. Where? It just takes more effort. Befriend um, a bunch of people of color. Yeah. Befriend people who you are, can, I are mean, woke. You, you read, I mean, read personal blogs. Like, <laughs> there, there are a lot of people talking about this. Any, any question that you have, if you just Google it. Who should I be reading right now? That is one question we wanted to ask you. Who, oh and not God. necessarily related to... That's, that, I mean, that is an extremely hard question to answer because there are a lot of people that uh, that you should be reading, that I should be reading. Um, and this you is, feel this like is, you should be reading that you're not reading. This is not, you know, strictly people of color. This could be, you know. Anyone. No, I know, I know. In general, that's a very hard question to answer. Yeah. Like, fuck, Mary kill on podcasts? Couldn't tell you. Well, I, I you know, a funny story. I wanted to ask you um, – <laughs> I don't know if I can do this, but uh, let's say um, Rusty Foster, Rembert Brown, Tanazi Coates, Mary Fuck Kill. <laughs> well, I'd obviously kill Rusty. <laughs> you hear that, Rusty? R.I.P. 
I would marry Tanahasi and fuck Rembrandt. Duh. <laughs> I I might have gone the same way. Rem, it's cool. We're cool. <laughs> it's all good. Do you know him? Yes. Are you? By the way, I wanted to ask you because you had a piece on, uh, uh, you know, on David Carr Remembrance. Yes. Um, did you ever meet him? I never met David Carr. I really wanted to. I was, um, like, I remember when uh, when he passed. We or when sorry, died. Uh, sorry, uh, the latent Christian in me said passed. When he died, um, we at TNR were like, I mean, everybody, like all of the editors, like just dropped what they were doing and just took a day. And um, we wrote a piece, and I did a lot of the reporting for that piece. Uh, my coworker Sam Eifling, at the time, who is now at Inverse, he's dope, pitch him, um, did also a lot of reporting. And we, you know, like we sat down, and like there were six people in that piece and in that Google Doc, and we just went through and edited the whole fucking thing. And it was like, it was such that it, we went so hard that our editor in chief was like. I'm going to go out and buy a bottle of bourbon. If you guys aren't done when I get back and then just trailed off and left. (laughs) (laughs) We were done when he got back. Yeah. And then we drank the whole bottle of bourbon. (laughs) Good for you. But it was one of those things that it really felt like, um, like we really wanted to do a good job and we really like respected his legacy and, like, I feel like even if you didn't know him, I mean, you knew him. No, I don't. I don't know. If, I don't know if that's true. I mean, I don't know if anybody. I mean, anybody who didn't know him knew him, but we knew his impact. And like talking to the people, like talking to Jelani, talking to Tanahasi, it was one of those things where like, yeah, this this guy had a huge fucking impact, and it you know, it's that's what you want. That's like that's the ideal. Um. And I I was for that reason very sad, and yeah yeah I mean we uh, again everyone just when we heard everyone just stop what the fuck they were doing we're like all right we're doing this now we're gonna like we're gonna do this guy justice yeah so what's next for you you're gonna have to clarify. I mean, you're working on a handful of pieces, I'm sure. You're, you know, editing it at uh, New Republic. Is there a book in you? You know, are you just kind of coasting for a little bit? Um, do you have plans for, for any big stories? Is editorial the goal, or are you going to keep writing? Editorial is the goal, and I would like to keep writing. Um, uh, re-book? I don't know. It'd be dope. I... I <laughs> I I would like to. Um, that said, I mean, book ideas are hard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think I I don't I don't know what's next for me. Um, but if you want to know, uh, you can feel free to buy me a drink and find out. But I, I won't tell you anything I haven't already said on this podcast. Yeah. So, so if listeners want to find more of your work, where can they go? New York Times Magazine this weekend. <laughs> new no, new I, I think I, I think I have a Tumblr that's set up with uh, um, pieces that I've published. Um, but <laughs> you can watch me tweet nonsense on the internet, <laughs> uh, and that 
Uh, so my I have a, a, a stupid Tumblr, which is my first and last name dot tumblr dot com, which is where I put all of my links. Um, and my Twitter page at Bijan Steven is where I tweet my nonsense and also sometimes my articles. Thank you, Bijan, yeah. for joining <laughs> us today. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for joining us. I... Thank you for having me. This was dope. Right. Thanks for the scotch too, man. <laughs> Kyle. Hey, listen. Appreciate it. Anytime. Lafroig 10. Lafroig. This Everyone. podcast is sponsored by Lafroig. I wish. It's not. Hey, contact it's us, Lafroig. Yeah, everyone, if, you, if you're going to be on the podcast, ask for the good stuff. Insist on the good stuff. Insist.